Hello and welcome to Peach Pod, a Georgia politics podcast. My name is Kyle Hayes and I am your host. And joining me on today's podcast is Luke Boggs. Luke, how are you doing? Oh, doing good, Kyle. Love seeing you every day this week. I know we've been doing a lot of podcasting lately. That is uh, the norm for election season here at Peach Pod. But we're we're particularly excited to share uh, today's episode with y'all because we have some special guests. We are going to dive in and talk about the issue of immigration and how it is playing in the 2020 campaign and, and the policy stakes of all of this and what the election results could mean for important pro-immigrant policies uh, when people get to govern again uh, starting next year. And joining us to do that, we have Mario Carrillo, who is campaign manager at America's Voice. Mario, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. And also joining us is Zach Mueller. He is he does digital communications at America's Voice. Zach, welcome to the show. Glad to be here. Thanks. So over the past five years, Donald Trump has made vilification of immigrants a central message of his politics. In reality, people who immigrate to the U.S., they're our friends and our neighbors, they live in our communities, and their work helps power the economy both in Georgia and across the country. Here in Georgia, nearly a third of small businesses are owned by Georgians who were born outside the U.S., and undocumented immigrants paid more than $300 million in state and local taxes in 2017. And across the country, immigrants have played vital roles in the frontline workforce during this pandemic. 18% of all essential workers are immigrant-born, and hundreds of thousands of people with DACA status and temporary protective status are working on the front lines during this pandemic. That number uh, comes from, from you guys at America's Voice. And despite the roles that immigrants play in our community, they remain a target of President Trump and his allies during this election season. So today we're going to talk about some polling and and what we're seeing in campaigns about how people view immigrant-related issues and the way in which some candidates for office are vilifying immigrants to try to win elections. Mario, though, let's start with you. And can you tell us just a little bit about immigrants who live in Georgia? Yeah, absolutely. And before I do that, I can just kind of provide some context to our organization, America's Voice. And we are an immigration advocacy organization. And our main priority is to provide citizenship or a pathway to citizenship to the undocumented community across the country. And along with that, this election cycle, we've been really focusing on five key states that we see as critical to um, achieving that goal. And we've been following the elections closely in Georgia, as well as our four other key states. And Along with that, we've conducted polling in these states, including Georgia, that have really uh, found some interesting results. But I think it's especially important in a state like Georgia, which has a sizable and growing immigrant population. And that's especially true in certain counties like Gwinnett. And um, obviously, y'all have Clarkston in DeKalb County, which has a sizable refugee population. But overall, Georgia has about 1.1 million immigrants. Um, and about 400,000 of them are undocumented, which is the seventh highest number in the country, which might not be known by a lot of folks in the state. So it is a growing um, community there. Um, about half a million people in Georgia live with at least one undocumented family member. And in terms of DACA, which is the program enacted in 2012 by President Obama, which gave young immigrants uh, reprieve from deportation and a work permit and allowed them to Uh, work legally for the first time in their lives. There are more than 20,000 active DACA recipients in Georgia. So there remain um, a lot of people 
in the state of Georgia for whom uh, the issue of immigration remains uh, a very personal one. So let's dive in here with with some of the polling y'all have done. Y'all have taken a look at policy issues and, and people's views on on immigrant related issues. And I think as people who listen to this podcast know if you've observed politics, particularly during the Trump administration, the the president's view of immigrants has not been merely rhetoric in his first term. He's taken a lot of actions that are actively harmful, like his policy of family separation at the southern border and his attempts to end the DACA program. Does your polling shed light on how voters view the anti-immigrant agenda that he's pursued? Yeah, it absolutely does. And in terms of our polling, I think it's important to start and note at the top that for uh, reasons that are understandable given what 2020 has turned out to be, immigration is not at top of mind for the majority of voters in Georgia. And it seems about 20% of the respondents in our polling had immigration as one of their top four issues. So it does remain an issue that remains on the minds of people. But given the fact that we have an outbreak of COVID, given the fact that our economy is on a downturn, it's understandable as to why um, it doesn't remain on top of mind. But that honestly doesn't mean that candidates in Georgia haven't tried to use immigration as a wedge issue. And it's something that we've seen dating back to 2016, as you mentioned, with Donald Trump's election. And a lot of other Republican candidates have taken similar positions and have run really ugly ads, which my colleague Zach uh, will get to. So um, in our messaging, we have seen that um, Trump's attacks really haven't had as much of an impact as he probably wishes that it would have. And we were noticing patterns in terms of when we talk to swing voters that a positive value-based immigration policy proposal that really puts the lives of not only the immigrant community, but also the entire state as, as in working together to not only solve the issues of COVID, but these are our neighbors. People seem to really respond to it. That's especially true for base voters on the Democratic side, but even swing voters. Our polling has found that a positive, reaffirmative uh, message on immigration, one that calls for a pathway to citizenship, one that seeks to end the cruel um, the cruel policies of the Trump administration, as you mentioned, like family separation, like the ending of DACA. DACA, as we know, is a program that is wildly popular across the country, including in Georgia. So we still see that even though we have one of the, if not the most anti-immigrant administrations in our lifetimes, um, at least in our polling, it doesn't seem that people are buying into it. And we've done similar polling in the past. We've done it in Virginia. Uh, The the governor's race there, uh, Ralph Northam won, despite being attacked all out on immigration as being one of his weak issues, but he still managed to win. And we expect other states to follow suit this time around. And we're hoping that Georgia is one of those. I want to get into the ads here with Zach in just a moment. But to to stay on this polling question for a second, y- y'all pulled together, y'all in America's Voice pulled together some information about the role that immigrant workers have played as, as frontline workers during this pandemic. And you know, as you mentioned, the, the pandemic and the economic situation seems to be top of mind for voters across the board. Um, but the president has really tried to bring the issue of immigration sort of into the context of this pandemic. You see him um, constantly uh, blaming China and blaming immigrants for the virus. He uh, seems to think that the most effective policy he's put in place was it was a travel ban. Um, does polling show that the pandemic is changing people's 
views of immigrants in light of the president's attempts to put to place blame on on them and not on uh, the response of, of federal and state and local governments? No, I think it has. And I think uh, the response from voters has been one in which they see immigrants as vital to the recovery of our country. And I think it's clear when you see the industries that have really um, stepped up and done so much to ensure that we're able to recover, hopefully once we have people in power that care about you know, recovering from this pandemic, when you're talking about nurses, when you're talking about uh, delivery people, when you're talking about people who work in the service industry, a lot of the times are made up of people of color and a lot of times it is immigrants who have those jobs. So I think and I hope that Americans of, of all stripes are really um, seeing what a critical role immigrants play in this country. And in terms of polling, this is not in our own polling, but a New York Times a couple of weeks ago released polling from several states, including Georgia, and 68% of respondents in Georgia were in favor of a pathway to citizenship for undocumented immigrants for the entire undocumented community. It didn't ask solely about dreamers who we know are already very popular in terms of support for a pathway to citizenship. And this comes even after they use terms that we ourselves would not use that are very negative. They use the I word to refer to the undocumented community, but even then respondents in Georgia, almost 70% of them wanted a pathway to citizenship for the undocumented community. And I think a lot of that does have to do with um, the response that we've seen from the immigrant community to COVID. And Zach, you know, just I, in some ways, I'm a little bit perplexed that some candidates are so focused on immigration as an issue when when we look at the results of, of the polling that y'all have done and the polling that other organizations have done during this campaign season. Um, but one of the ways in which candidates are trying to lean into this message of vilifying immigrants is, is through the ads that they produce. And uh, you guys at America's Voice produce this great series on YouTube um, tracking campaign ads that vilify immigrants. You also have a, a broader ad tracking project on your website. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? And as you've done this now for multiple cycles, do you feel like there are more ads in this cycle that are targeting immigrants? Yeah, thanks for the question. Um, so I think we we really started tracking the ads um, you know, in, in a real effort um, back in 2018, when we really started to see a wave of xenophobic dog whistles uh, dominating GOP ads up and down the ticket, uh, both by candidates and allied PACs. And I think um, it's notable that this strategy of the Biden distract like xenophobia really backfired in 2018. We saw candidates all across the country vilifying and demonizing immigrants um, in, as their a path to election. But we also saw something very similar in 2017 in the Virginia's governor's race um, and the coded xenophobia um, backfired also in the gubernatorial races in Kentucky and Louisiana in 2019. And so we, we knew that this was probably going to be the case here in 2020 as well. And so we started tracking the ads um, in real earnest at the beginning of the year. And what we saw is that um, most of the GOP up and down the ticket, not just Trump, um, really wasn't learning the lessons from the last several cycles that voters were overwhelmingly seeing this coded racism and turning away from it, rejecting it. Um, but they continued to run those ads um, at the start of the year. Then when the pandemic really came um, and became a political um, subject that they could no longer avoid, they turned to point a racist finger of blame, really pointing it at China and other immigrants and blaming them for, uh, the, pande for the pandemic and the spread of it as well. Um, so to answer your other question, you know, we, we have seen a, a different style of ad um, that has 
that has come since the pandemic and um, and over the last several months. Now the the message is still the same. It's blame the non-white other for the problems that you face, um, fear and division, um, and that that's the solutions that they're offering is is coded racism and coded xenophobia. Not any real solutions for keeping people safe, healthy, or employed, and that's basically all they have. Now immigrants have um, um, from the southern border have taken somewhat of a backseat to fear mongering around the protests in the streets or around blaming China, but it's still a very much a part of their ads in particular races that they'll keep bringing up and mentioning um, depending on the race um, in the area. Zach, what are some of the worst ads that you've seen in this cycle? And and as people come across these ads, what message do you have for, for people who see these racist ads about, about how they should respond if they're people who care about pro-immigrant policies and politics? Yeah, I'll start with the second question first here, just to kind of give folks the context. But I mean, I think a lot of what, we, what we've seen is some really good work by Ian, Ian Haney Lopez um, and, and others that he's been working with around the race class narrative about being able to respond to some of these strategic racism, this, this dog whistling um, that the candidates, candidates are employing. And really, it's about being able to understand that, um, as Mario said, most of us um, you know, have policies that we care about, whether that's that's a pathway to citizenship for the 11 million undocumented of our neighbors, um, but also seeing that, right, we want to be safe, we want to be healthy, we want to be employed. And, you know, we, we have those same values, but these powerful senators, House members, President of the United States would rather divide us along racial lines than actually bring us together, Black, white, and brown, to be able to you know, fix the problems that our communities faces. And so I think it's important for us to remember as we see these ads to note that there actually is some good news is that what we saw in 2017, you know, 2018 and 2019, there seems to be cracks in the dam of this racist, uh, you know, dog whistling really kind of backfiring as most folks are starting to understand that, you know, we don't need more division. What we actually need is more unity and to be able to solve the real um, problems that we face in our communities and as our nation. But that hasn't stopped uh, most of uh, most of the candidates across the country, not only in Georgia, but in, in other states um, in the union from really leaning into uh, this kind of coded xenophobic and racist messaging. And so, you know, we, we, you guys got uh, two Senate races um, there in Georgia, and both of them have been running um, these kind of racist dog whistle ads. So there's Kelly Loeffler, um, who's been running these um, deeply weird and coded racist ads, um, comparing herself to Attila the Hun, the uh, first century warlord. Um, it's a little, a little strange of why she wants to um, depict herself in, in comparison to that. Um, but she's run three of these ads, um, each of them different, um, and where they have a, a white man playing this ruler from East Asia. Um, and the language is consistent solely of grunts. Um, and so like, you know, even setting aside, um, you know, that offensive uh, nature of, of what's being depicted in the ads, you know, she's out here um, attacking, um, using anti-immigrant messaging, you know, attacking unauthorized border crossings and attacking the pathway to citizenship for undocumented neighbors, of which Mario said that, you know, 68% of Georgians support. So clearly she's not really trying to get a majority of Georgians to, to vote for her. She's really targeting towards the base. And I think further still in these ads that something that's really stood out to, to me um, 
is that there's a thinly veiled calls for political violence throughout all three of these ads that she's running around um, with this Attila ad. And I don't think we can separate that um, you know, from the coded racism, but also from you know, Trump's refusal to condemn white nationalism on the debate stage. We've also seen people in the streets calling for racial civil war and calling for domestic terrorism. And for you know, a sitting US Senator to be putting these ads out and amplifying these coded uh, messages around political violence and coded racism, I think should be a real concern, um, you know, for all Georgians. Yeah, let's actually listen to one ad that is uh, targeted at Democratic minority leader Bob Trammell, who's running for re-election in his state house district. Uh, let's listen in on the, on the message that ad is trying to send. America is being torn apart, and liberal Bob Trammell is letting it happen. Bob Trammell refuses to stand up to those rioting to defund the police. And Trammell led a massive anti-gun protest backed by notorious New York liberal Mike Bloomberg. Bob Trammell's choice is clear. He sides with the rioters tearing America apart and the liberals who support them. Bob Trammell puts his liberal politics over our safety. So it's no wonder Trammell voted against the law that would stop local governments from hiring illegal immigrants. In these tough times, we should ensure that every taxpayer-funded job goes to legal citizens. But Bob Trammell voted against it. Liberal Bob Trammell, coming after your guns and paying illegal immigrants with your tax dollars while putting our safety at risk. Is that the Georgia you want? Paid for by Republican State Leadership Committee, Georgia Independent Expenditure Committee. Zach, that was an ad um, targeted at a at a high profile target for Republicans to unseat in this cycle, and it and it had a very uh, specific and, and direct message about undocumented immigrants. What did you think of the message that was trying to be sent in that ad? And and again, sort of coming back to the question of how people who care about these policies should respond. Yeah. Um... That, that ad is wild. Um, and, you know, just to, again, a plug for our tracker. We, 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 you can find these ads um, if you're interested in hearing this ad and some of the other ads that they're running with very similar messages against Bob Trammell um, around, um, you know, this, 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 this dog whistle, racist dog whistle attack. Really what they're trying to do here in this ad is, is combine um, a demonization of racial justice protests with an attack on undocumented immigrants. Um, really to create this specter of fear um, that the non-white other is somehow coming for your jobs, coming for your safety. And this is why you need to vote for Republicans is that they're the only ones to protect you. But I think what's glaringly missing from this ad or Loeffler's ad or some of the other ads that we see with the similar message is that there's there's no solutions here. There's there's no there's no pro, there's no projection of like what these candidates like what they want for the future. It's just a lot of division and distraction. Nothing in here about how um, you know uh, Republicans are going to give great good jobs, you know, here in Georgia. You know, nothing about how um, you know they're going to keep families safe and all families, not just white families, right? And so, like that—that's what what we see when I when I hear these ads. It's like what is actually missing here, um, and 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 no plans for actually fixing the lives of regular working class families um, in Georgia. It's just saying, hey, you should be afraid of this non-white other that's going to come and take your job or, or um, you know, be un, you know, create your uh, being unsafe to the community. And, you know, both of those things are, are trading on long racist um, tropes that, you know, also are not true. Um, 
that you know, study after study after study shows that undocumented immigrants are, are not lowering wages or taking jobs from um, native-born citizens. And so they're, 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 they're using false, bad, bad data as a fear-mongering tactic um, to try to scare voters into voting for them. So speaking of solutions and, and interpreting the polling that we've discussed today and, and sort of the overall political environment, there is a pretty decent chance that, that people who care about immigrants can win elections this cycle. So let's talk a little bit about what they should do if they have the ability to govern, have, have the power to do that. Mario, what are some of the most pressing policy issues related to immigration that we face and and how should the next Congress address those? Yeah, I think I can talk about Congress as well as what can be done federally if, if we're able to elect Joe Biden. So number one, I think something that Joe Biden can do is immediately reinstate DACA back to its original form, which was a two year renewal period for folks, because I think that's going to be so critical for a lot of people who really rely on DACA and are now having to renew every year. And if Trump is to remain president, which we know he's made this promise before, he just wants to terminate the program entirely without having any sort of protection in place for DACA recipients who could potentially lose their work permits or could potentially be subject to deportation. So I think that is number one. Number two, if Democrats are able to uh, win back the Senate, I think there's a really good opportunity to do something positive on immigration, which includes providing a pathway to citizenship for undocumented people, which we've already discussed being something that is incredibly popular among the American people. Um, Also with providing solutions uh, congressionally for folks with TPS, which is temporary protected status, which is another program that benefits tens of thousands of people in the country, many of which have been in the country now for 20, 30 years, who are now also subject to their Um, protections being ended under this administration and subject to deportation after having built their lives here. So there are a lot of things that can be done at the federal level. I think ending family separation from day one, which we know is still happening, even if it's taken on a different form, which is not necessarily separating people at the border, but separating them by making them decide whether or not uh, parents want to remain um, in detention with their children. I think ending the migrant protection protocols, which is something that has in a very nefarious way, swept the the issue of asylum seekers under the rug by essentially forcing Mexico to, to keep asylum seekers wanting to make their claims in the U.S. in Mexico, and especially during COVID, for an undetermined amount of time that for many people has now turned into years and could potentially last even longer. So there are a lot of things that we can do congressionally from the bat uh, to help undocumented people in this country. And if we get to solutions on those, I mean, what would that mean for people who, you know, if you've been here and, you, and you've been undocumented for a long time, you might have seen the DREAM Act fail in the Obama administration, then you see Obama get replaced by Trump, who ran on an anti-immigrant agenda from day one. You've watched him put in so many of these these punitive policies during his own administration. That's just a long time to live in fear of of your own place in this country and in the government that you live under. Can you talk a little bit about like what it would mean, how important it would be to to get these policy fixes done? Yeah, I mean, I can speak a little bit in terms of my own personal experience, being someone who's married to a DACA recipient and uh, we're trying to get our process through to adjust my wife's status. But at the moment, given that USCIS shut down 
and we haven't been able to reschedule like our biometrics appointments. She solely relies on DACA in order to keep um, working here in in Texas and also as protection from deportation, right? So I know that I'm certainly not alone in that sense, that I'm not the only person who has a family member or a loved one who either relies on DACA, relies on TPS, or might be entirely undocumented, right? And and frankly, to be honest, it's been a really difficult time to find that sliver of hope. And given how many times, as you mentioned, the DREAM Act has come up for a vote and how many times it's failed, it's, it's tough. It's tough. But I think I, I get a lot of my own hope and my own courage from these young folks who have lived here, like my wife, for 20 plus years who don't give up that fight, right? And I think we owe it to them to continue pushing. And, and I understand that even electing Joe Biden, as important as it is, and winning back the Senate, that's not going to magically uh, make for legislation to pass what will be a very divided Senate, likely still, right? So it's going to take a lot of push. It's going to take a lot of commitment from people, not only within the undocumented community or the immigrant community, but for those of us who care about the issue to continue pushing Congress to do so, right? If we're able to elect people like John Ossoff, if we're able, able to elect people like Reverend uh, Warnock into the Senate, to ensure that they remember the importance of the immigrant community, right? And I know that there are a lot of people doing that work now, trying to put into place plans that the uh, future Biden administration can hopefully start from day one, but it's going to take a, a massive, massive effort to ensure that those policies um, see the light of day after what's been, as you mentioned, like a, a lot of years of heartbreak, unfortunately. And, you know, I'll, I'll just jump in here as well, too. You know, you know, I, I talked a lot about that the, the Republicans still want to make immigration a wedge issue. They still think they're going to, you know, beat um, the Americans over their head and, and win on, on, on this issue. But, you know, this is like simply not the case anymore. We've seen this from poll after poll after poll. And since Trump got into office, more and more of the American public, a, a, a wide majority, are supportive of our immigrant neighbors. And really the, this wedge really has lost its edge. And like voters rejected, you know, what the GOP was doing with these, you know, attack ads in 17 and 18 and 19 and hopefully again here in 2020. So I think, you know, we need to push the Democrats that get elected to make sure that they fulfill this promise, you know, that you know, I think that especially undocumented immig immigrants have earned over this pandemic putting in that work and reward them and we should push them and also not to be afraid of the issue because the American people are with them on fixing our immigration system and moving past this so we, we can solve this problem. Well, and Zach, as you watch these ads for this project, do you ever think about sort of the flip side, you know, if some of these policies, these good immigration policies are able to put into place, how the people who pass them should defend them and, and talk about them when, I mean, invariably, those issues will sort of be back on the ballot in whatever a Democratic majority does in future midterms, future presidential elections. Do you think about the ways in which defenders of those good policies should be talking about them? Yeah, I mean, like, I think we, we are at our best you know, throughout American history when we expand citizenship. If we think about some of our best moments, we think about the 14th Amendment, expanding citizenship. We think about the 19th Amendment, expanding citizenship to women, right? Like when we are at our best as a country, we hold up the value of the Statue of Liberty. I think when we are at our best as Americans, when we come together and actually expand citizenship to all of our neighbors, 
Um, and I think that stuff is really important, but I think it's also important for Democrats to remember that, again, most like most of the American people are here in support of these issues and that, that they should have the confidence to pass these issues and to not be afraid of the attacks. What I have not seen um, is, you know, um, House members, um, especially battleground House members, took a hard vote on HR 6, which was the Dream and Promise Act to provide a pathway to citizenship for DREAMers and TPS recipients. And that hasn't been the subject of acts. Um, you know, that because I think more and more what voters are showing with, with when they go to the polls is that they are not going to be persuaded by these racist dog whistles anymore. And I think, you know, you know, we can push Democrats to go ahead and pass these policies, but they should feel confident that they are passing policies that most of the America supports even in states like Georgia. And uh, before we go here, I don't want to lose sight of sort of the state and local context of these issues. Obviously, obviously, the federal government has a really important role to play here. But there are things that states and local governments can be doing to foster more pro-immigrant environments in their communities. Right, Mario? Yeah, there are. Absolutely. And things that the state legislature can do, I think in Georgia, especially, and this is something that we did poll um, Georgians about is the ban of uh, undocumented students into Georgia public universities. That's something that in our findings, a plurality of voters opposed. They wanted their, their community members, young people in their community to have the opportunity to attend uh, Georgia public universities. It's one of the last states, maybe the last state in which actually bans people from going and, and does not provide in-state tuition. I, I myself live in Texas, and since the year 2001, we've had a DREAM Act here, and young people in our state, regardless of their immigration status, because of our state legislature, which was signed by Rick Perry, in fact, they were allowed to go to Texas universities if they graduated from a Texas high school. So I think there are impacts that can be made at the state uh, level that can really improve. And again, this is not only for the lives of the, the folks who would benefit from going to college, but having a, a community in which you have more folks that are able to attend four-year universities or technical schools a lot easier. It makes for a better environment for everyone, not, not just the immigrant community. And another thing that, that we've talked about a lot at America's Voice is the collaboration between local law enforcement and ICE, which is becoming much, much more of a problem under the Trump administration. They've tried to expand that collaboration. They often do it through a collaboration. Thing known as 287G, in which essentially forces the hand of local sheriffs and local law enforcement to collaborate with ICE. So if they come in contact with someone who's undocumented, they will turn that person over to ICE, whether that person's only crime might have been running a stop sign or, you know, not coming to a full stop or having a broken taillight, whatever it might be, that interaction could lead to deportation. And it's something that a lot of communities, especially communities with large immigrant populations have really tried to push back on. And there has been success in states, even like North Carolina, Mecklenburg County, they had a sheriff who supported 287G and they were able to vote, vote him out and elect someone who said that there would be no collaboration. And Georgia has opportunities in several counties to, to elect sheriffs and, and law enforcement officials who put the, the safety of the community ahead of wanting to terrorize uh, immigrant communities. So there, there are opportunities there for sure. Luke, you've been quiet with us today, um, but I wanted Have. to ask you, you know, you're somebody who's been working with campaigns for a long time. You're working with campaigns this cycle. You've seen sort of 
the long arc of, of Georgia politics as we've done this show and even before. Are you hopeful about the prospect that, that pro-immigrant policies can start to carry the day at the Gold Dome and, and generally in our politics in our state? I think that is actually going to be quite a tricky thing because the the thing I was actually thinking about, I was I was considering jumping in. So good 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 timing, Kyle. Is listening to you know both you Mario and Zach. Um, like, I agree with everything you say. I agree with every way that you frame it. But like, there's a reason why you know Leaguer Trammell is facing attack ads on these issues and it's because it works with a lot of georgia voters and the messages that you guys uh, are mentioning are good and i like them and i believe them and i uh, talk about them in my personal life but you know basically the people who would i think immediately identify with that message and those points are people who are currently voting for democrats um and and a lot of like what georgia needs i think and a lot of other states true uh, truthfully is just like having the persuasion uh, argument done to get people to appreciate those factors and with other factors uh, as, as well, because while, you know, it might not be true that uh, immigrants are taking jobs from people. I know a lot of people who feel like they are. And so just by saying like, isn't it great? All these new people are here. Like some people will have a very negative reaction to that. And it's not always people who always vote for, uh, you know, Republicans and the, you know, like for Leaguer Trammell and for many of the endangered uh, Democrats, this cycle and in the swing seats, this is a real issue. I mean, I think it, is important to point out that like Brian Kemp won the primary uh, in this state, I think on this issue, it was his probably clearest point of contrast with Casey Cagle. And, you know, besides the other problems that campaign had, I mean, that was definitely Kemp's issue and he won quite handedly. So I, I don't think we can uh, underestimate either the power of this issue on the other side. I think the one thing that gives me a little bit of hope is the response that we've seen from some Democrats on the state level um, regarding the truly horrific treatment of people who were detained at the ICE facility in South Georgia, Leader Trammell himself, who who is facing this tough challenge that we've talked about, immediately released a letter asking for action on the state level and, uh, and, and criticizing the treatment of people there. A lot of other... Democrats, people, I'm thinking of people like B. Wynn, state representative, who are kind of a part of the up and coming class of Democrats, I think have been outspoken about treatment of immigrants in our state and about some of the worst of the Trump administration's policies. If those people continue to win and if those people continue to feel confident speaking out on these issues, you know, it's, it's, it's just a symbol of the kind of leadership I think we want. Um, and, you know, hopefully those people remain in office to to continue providing that kind of leadership. Well, I think what my, my point was, and this is where I would then punt the ball back to our guest here, is like B's not going to lose because she votes for a pro-immigration bill, right? Like, like it's not going to happen. Like there's no Democrat who would run a primary against her on it. And there's no Republican in that district who would be able to run a successful challenge. But, you know, the, the point of having a successful political party is being able to represent the whole state. And, you know, for me, I always think it is an elected officials job to uh, not only reflect what, 
their state or district believes, but also like push them towards a better direction. And the the thing that um, I, I, I'm trying to highlight, I think, is that I feel like that uh, pushing towards a better direction needs to be done in a way that um, Georgia voters will will not just immediately reject out of hand because the negative messages have been working. Like, and you know, there's, I, I agree with y'all and I've seen similar polls, to the ones you guys have brought us on that. This issue is not nearly as salient as it was even four or six years ago, but it's still there. It's still working, especially in Republican primaries. And so I think until Democrats are convinced that this issue is not going to be a loser for them it's going to be very hard to get them to actually do anything on it i mean i, I just kind of think about the the gun issues that we've seen and the evolution of that i mean that was pretty obvious to most people as a really really big problem in the united states and one which the government need to do something about and despite that being clear in polling for like at least a decade to me like we still have not done anything on it and it still seems like it's a really hard thing and i, I kind of feel like immigration is a very very similar issue with very similar uh problems at hand yeah no i, th I think you're right and i think something that we at america's voice keep in mind is that there is a sizable, if, if not very big, portion of the electorate that regardless of what we say, are not going to vote for someone who's pro-immigrant, right? And I think that's when it becomes critical in terms of candidates and how they tailor their message and who they tailor, tailor their message to. And I think our findings have shown that a lot of people, regardless of party affiliation, don't like the cruelty and the inhumanity of the Trump administration's policies. And if we're better able to link Republicans to that cruelty and wanting to continue that, I think Democrats might have a better might have a better place to and a better leg to stand on on the issue of immigration. But I think as long as it doesn't remain a top issue, Democrats might not necessarily run ads on immigration. But I think it's at least important for them to have the foundation, at least on messaging and where folks are so that they're able to combat some of these really nasty ads. And a lot of it might just be deflecting, right? And saying, well, this candidate wants to have you lose sight of the issues that matter most to you, whether they be healthcare, whether they be the pandemic, the economy, and they want you to focus solely on this issue that is only uh, playing to your fear of immigrants coming into the country, right? And I think there is a balance of attacking those types of messages, even if it's not necessarily coming out like super pro-immigrant um, for for them and just calling out calling them out for what they are. But you're right, it's not tricky. And especially for those of us like myself, I, I will never pretend to, to be like an expert on Georgia. Um, and a lot of that will depend very much on the candidate. It'll depend on how comfortable they are on the issue. It'll depend on which voters are trying to, to persuade. So um, I think it's important to keep that in mind that it's just mainly like guidelines that we're offering, not necessarily like a one-stop solution that's going to work for every candidate across the board. Zach, any other closing thoughts from you today? I, th I think you know what what we're showing here with the with the the our our ad tracking website, right? It's just it's it's a resource that also folks can see what ads are being run in their local races as well that are using these uh, coded racist dog whistles um, and you know, not only in Georgia, but across the country as well to see that, you know, that this isn't just Donald Trump running this this stuff. It's up and down the ticket that folks have really embraced um, this kind of divide and distract strategy. Again, to say that, look, they're not providing solutions, you know, to keep you safe, to, you know, keep you healthy, keep you employed. And I think that that's really the, what what most folks care about, right, is is, is the, the, the kind of bread and butter issues. And 
that this fear mongering around the non-white other, whether that be immigrants or protests in the streets or or China, right? It's just simply a distraction because they don't have real solutions. Um, and I think it's important for folks to see that what 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 messages um, are being said, and then seeing that what glaringly is missing from some of these ads. And Zach, if people want to learn more about the ad tracking project that you're doing and about the work that America's Voice does in general, how could they do that? Yeah, so our uh, ad tracking website is at uh, 2020adwatch.com. And you can there, it's a searchable database. You can search um, by state or candidate or race uh, to see there. And then um, at americasvoice.org, um, we do a lot, talk a lot about um, immigration, um, kind of some more deep dives and understanding some of the issues that Mario brought up, whether that be um, 287G or um other immigration policies try to break those down as well, as well as um, what's happening in immigration news um, and um, some other explainers as well. All right. Well, Mario Carrillo, Zach, Zach Mueller, thank you guys for the work that y'all are doing, for the work that America's Voice is doing. And, and thanks to both of y'all for joining the podcast today. Thanks for thank having you. us. Appreciate it. And Luke, thank you. As always, we will be back with more Peach Pod. We, it it's, feels like it's almost every day, isn't it, Luke? <laughs> Yeah, basically, uh, you know, I, I decided to do just one 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 blip on this show, yeah, but it was good. <laughs> well, stay tuned and we'll talk to you all again soon. Bye. That's our show for today. If you like what you heard, subscribe to Peach Pod. Thanks as always to our fantastic interns, Olivia Bauer, Peyton Childers and Kelly Dobso for their help researching this episode. Until next time, take care, y'all.